Thank you for listening to sermons by Chaplain Braswell. This ministry desires to help people know and live for Christ through the preaching of God's Word. And now, today's message. Well, good morning. God bless you. It's good to see you today. My name is Chaplain Dan Braswell. I am chaplain for the Headquarters and Headquarters Battalion, 25th uh, Infantry Division. And uh, we continue this morning our series in the Psalms, the songs that we need to sing. If you have a Bible, I hope that you do. I invite you to turn to Psalm chapter 102. Psalm chapter 102. Have you ever been, whether it be in the military or, the, or in civilian life or in school when you were growing up, where the teacher gives you the answer to the test? Well, today we're going to look at Psalm 102, and I've entitled this message, In Dark Times, Sing This Song. But what you just sang is the answer to the test, that fear is not my future, you are, that is, God is, death is not the end, God, God has us in his hand. That's the answer to the test. But if you'll allow me, what I'd like to do is go through Psalm chapter 102 this morning anyway, because I don't know if you're like me, but sometimes I can sing that all day long. I can come to this place and I can sing about how good God is. But if you, if you open the curtain, if you took off the mask, and if you saw me when I'm back at the house, not around y'all, I'm going, I don't believe any of that stuff because I'm too angry, I'm too scared, I'm too heartbroken, and I can sing it, but it's not in my heart right now. Can anybody say that you've been there before? <laughs> Have you ever heard the cliche, everybody's either doing one of three things, they're either in the middle of a storm, or they're about to go into a storm, or they're about to come out of a storm? It's cliche, but it's true, isn't it? Today, I, I want you to go with me in this passage. I don't know if you noticed, I hope that you did, as Aiden read Psalm 77, and I, only, I intentionally only had him read verses 1 through 9, that was the... We didn't tie a bow on it yet, so to speak. Did you, did you catch the, the angst in that passage? Did, did you catch the despair? I want you to look at Psalm chapter 102, and we won't read it yet, but just look at the, super, the, the superscript, the, the, the intro, what it says there. That's part of the original psalm. It says, a prayer of a suffering person or the prayer of a person in affliction who is weak and pours out his lament before the Lord. As we've gone through the Psalms, we've looked at different types of Psalms, haven't we? We've seen some where they praise the Lord, and I promise we're not going to finish out with just lament after lament after lament. Our hearts can't take it, right? Uh, Jeremiah's going to preach next week a pretty joyful Psalm about worshiping God, and then I think I'll wrap it up, if I'm not mistaken, with, with some stuff that's a little happier joy than probably this one. So, so just hang in with us today. But we need the laments because that's, that, that's, that's real for our lives, isn't it? Laments deal with things like physical suffering, illness. There's some psalms that deal with alienation. There's psalms that deal with injustice. There's psalms that deal with grief and loss. Typically, a lament will have a complaint. We're going to talk about that today. Typically, it'll have a petition. In other words, hey, God, here's what's going on. What on earth is going on? And then it's going to be, hey, God, I need you to fill in the blank. And somewhere in there, there's going to be a praise. And we're going to see some of that today. As you're here today, have you, have you ever known affliction? Have you ever known it deep and intense? Have you ever known it to be unrelenting? 
A darkness where there is no light at the end of the tunnel, or at least at the moment you felt that way. I would imagine if you're like me, and when I throw these ideas out there, your mind perhaps is going back to a time when you were dealing with something that was this difficult. There's probably in a crowd this size people who would say, Chaplain, you're explaining what I'm in right now. I want to walk with you in your affliction just as God teaches us. I, I, I want you to walk with me as we think about the abyss, as we think about the valley of the shadow of death. Maybe it's, maybe it's in your job right now. Maybe it's in your profession. Maybe it's, maybe it's at work where there's something that's so difficult to deal with. It's, it's where it has you. Maybe it's a financial situation that threatens to ruin you and your family. I don't know. Maybe it's somebody you love. Maybe it's your brother. Maybe it's your sister. Maybe it's your friend. Maybe it's your wife and your husband that you're so concerned for and you feel so helpless as they deal with something difficult. Maybe it's your children. Vody Bauckham, one of my favorite preachers, he said, ain't no pain like kid pain. And those of you who's dealt with, I, I distinctly remember last year on one of the four Pathways missions, I've had the awesome privilege of being on since I've been on this island, had a, had a, had a man, soldier. He desperately was in, he was in this psalm. You know why? Because out of the blue, his his... 10-year-old girl had eye surgery, and they were telling him that she may go blind, and he just bawling. He said, she's having surgery right now. I can't get home fast enough. I feel so helpless. There's no pain. Like when somebody you love is going through something so difficult, whether it's physical or whether it's just sheer heartbreak of seeing somebody going down a road that you just you got, you got nothing. <laughs> but, but, but to just cry out before the Lord, that's where we're going to look at today. As I was studying, I came across someone who thought through this idea of lament before the Lord. Maybe, maybe you can identify with this. Many of you know Psalm 23, right? It's a happy, joy psalm at the end. I'm going to dwell in the house of the Lord forever, and, and we agree with that. But listen as this author took the concept of Psalm 23, and this author entitled this the Un-Psalm 23. You can probably find it on the internet if you, if you need to or if you would like to have it, I'll give it to you. But listen to this author's truthful prayer to God. The Unsalm 23. I am a sheep without a shepherd. I do not know whom to follow, and I am utterly in want. I am empty, and nothing satisfies. Nothing refreshes me. I find no real fulfillment, no lasting security, and no real rest. I find I feel like a lost soul, totally depleted. I don't believe anyone wants to walk with me in the darkest valley. And contemplation of my own mortality holds me all my lifetime in bondage under fear of death. For in that final hour, I will be profoundly alone. I feel misguided and I find no authentic comfort in anything. None. I feel unwelcomed in my world, always hungry for something and totally overwhelmed by a thousand threatening forces. My blistered head aches with no oil of relief. My joy cup is dry all the way down to the bottom, bone dry. I have given up hoping for any real quality to my life. In fact, this author says, genuine goodness and mercy have eluded me all the days of my life. And I don't really expect things to change. Oh, how I ache to belong somewhere, but I don't really feel at home anywhere. And I think that I will feel lonely and hopeless forever. 
That's one of the saddest things I think I've ever ran across. And I share that with you because I want you to see that God wants to be a part of your life if you're going through those dark things. I want you to walk with me through this psalm now, and let's see what song God gives us in dark times. Sing this song. Now let's read through Psalm chapter 102 together. Beginning in verse number 1. I've already read the, the introduction. He says this, Hear my prayer, O Lord. Let my cry come to you. Verse number 2. Do not hide your face from me in the day of my distress. Incline your ear to me and answer speedily in the day when I call. We'll stop right there and we'll read a little bit more later. But in this psalm, in dark times, sing this song. I want, to, I want to give you four things that I think you can take away from this psalm, and I think it will help us as we deal with our own afflictions as this psalmist does. Point number one is this. Point number one is to pray desperately. Point number one is to pray desperately. Notice, notice his language. Let my, let my cry come to you. He, he's, he's, he's praying this prayer out loud. He's, cry, he's crying to God. Maybe in your life your affliction is some sort of, like we've already said, a family estrangement or a, or a relationship that's broken, one that would give you great joy, but maybe someone has, has hurt you. Or maybe right now you're living in, in loneliness. Did you catch that in the on Psalm 23? He says, I have nobody. The fear was I'll be alone forever. Maybe that's you. He's crying out. He's crying out to the Lord. Maybe it's, maybe it's, it's, a, it's a cry for those who, who have something uh, wrong with their body or a disease, a disease that's killing you. Uh, one of the great joys of my life was to be a chaplain at Walter Reed National Military Medical Center, but I went to many a hospital room where they were right here, and there was no happy joy. There was no cliche. I would have probably got punched in the face if I'd have walked in there and said, well, God loves you, and God's got a plan for all this as you're lying there dying of cancer. Or the soldier who all he wanted to do his whole life was be a soldier, and now... Uh, he's, he's lost a limb. Or, chaplain, I don't understand it. My mom never smoked a day in her life. What, my, day in her life. Why does my 60-year-old woman who, who's lived a godly life have lung cancer of all things? What the heck is going on? I don't know what it is for you, but I want you to see first, you see this idea of praying desperately. Incline your ear to me, he says to God. And, and he says, he says, answer me needily in the, in the day when I call. Now, I don't want you to hear this and say that this is some sort of license to complain about stuff that's frivolous. This is not a license for you to, for you to complain about, you know, about whatever. There are some things in life that, that we struggle with that sometimes we just need to get over, aren't they? What do we call them sometimes? First world problems? Um, at home I have a MacBook Pro, and you know what happened to me this morning? Literally this morning as I was preparing for, oh, Lord, I'm trying to preach your word, and my, my MacBook messes up. You know, the little bar that has a touch screen on it, it didn't work. And I found myself getting angry, and I gave myself my own sermon illustration, didn't I? My MacBook Pro, again, MacBook Pro, can we say blessings of God or what? You know, my little touch screen on the top didn't work. That is not a moment for me to lament like Psalm 102. That's more like, you know what, dude? You have a MacBook Pro and it doesn't work. Just take five minutes later and you'll probably get it working. That is not the moment to cry out to God in all of my existential angst for what's wrong in the world. 
Now, y'all are laughing because y'all have complained about some stuff that's your first world problem too. And you got to sometimes you just got to step like, you know what? I'm so blessed. This is not my thing to like fall into pieces over. Sometimes it's time to toughen up and just get over those things. Right? Now, I say that. However, what I don't, what I don't want you to forget is that there's going to come times when it's not a, you're just going to suck it up and get over it. There's going to come times when you need to pray desperately. And you might say, Chaplain, how do, how do I know the difference? I have a hunch that just like this psalmist knew it was time to pray and it was time to cry out to God. I just have a hunch that if you, if you and your friends, your closest people to you, or you and your husband and your wife, if you stop and you're dealing with something that's very tough, I got a feeling in your heart you're going to know now is the time to cry out to God about this thing of which I have no control, about this thing which has turned my life upside down. He's saying, let my cry come to you. Answer speedily in the day when I call. Let me point something out to you that's very practical in this. And if you want to write this down, you can. But I highly encourage you, if you find yourself in a time when it's time to pray, I would encourage you to pray that prayer out loud. I would encourage you to pray that prayer out loud. Until about, this is interesting, until about the 1700s, Almost all Christian prayer, public and private, would have been done out loud. Most people didn't have copies of Scripture before then. Remember the printing press was, what, the 1500s? And then over those couple years, we started figuring out, yeah, it'd be a great idea. Everybody should have the Bible. God's Word's awesome. Let's get it to the world. And we did. Praise the Lord. But before then... People would memorize things and they would hear them at church and they would say them all the time and they'd memorize them and at home they would pray out loud. Whether that's reading the scripture out loud or whether it's praying your prayer out loud. I encourage you to pray out loud. There's something powerful about crying out to God. If, if, it, if, it's, if it's this bad, and we're going to read about those hard things, if it's something that's, that's rocked your world that much, I encourage you to take the first step and to pray Get with your wife, get with your husband, get with your children, say it out loud to the Lord. Cry it out loud. You might say, I can't, I'm too emotional. That's the, most, that's the best time to do it. There's been times when Cheryl and I have been praying, and we're praying, and, and I can't even get the sentence out. I read something in the New Testament about the Holy Spirit praying for us when we can't say what we want to say. Pray out loud, cry, cry out desperately to the Lord. Go to God with your problem. Number two. Number two is lament. This is not original with me, but I like it. It is holy venting. Holy venting. Let's look at verses 3 through 11. I want to point a couple of things out to you. Holy venting. Before I do that, let me point something else out. We recently, in recent months, preached through Philippians, and Philippians has a verse that says, do everything without grumbling or arguing. That's literally out of Philippians chapter 2 so that you may be blameless and without hope uh, in, in the world. My, my, I bring this up because you may ask, well, wait a minute, chaplain, you're, you're literally giving us a point out of a passage that says to vent, that says to, to do this lament thing. That sounds like a complaint, but the New Testament tells me not complaining. What is, what is, what is going on with that? What Paul is teaching is as we, as we interact with people, as we interact in our lives, he does not want us to have a complaining spirit. 
And as a general rule, you and I should be grateful people. That's what the New Testament teaches. You and I should look around each and every day and say, God has, has, has blessed me so much. He's given me salvation through Christ. He's given me my life. And, and that leads us to have a life of gratitude. But what this psalmist is talking about, he's not talking about day-to-day stuff. He's talking about a time when he is in such pain. Remember, he, even, he gives you the answer. He says, this psalm is for the times when a person is in affliction and pain and cries out to God. Yes, live your life. Don't, don't be a person who's known as a complainer. That's, that's, that's true. <laughs> don't, don't go out of here and say, yep, I get to complain about everything now. What it is saying, though, is that during these times, it, it is right and good for you to lament and to do what I'm going to call this holy venting. <clears throat> we, we, I've heard it said before, a chaplain's not authorized to have a bad day, right? You've heard, you've heard that. And have you ever met people who refuse to allow anybody to have a bad day because they're like super spiritual people? Have you ever talked about your problems with super spiritual people and they give you some cliche that you're not ready to hear? Are those people the worst or what? Raise your hand if you say, oh, those super spiritual people, they're the worst. I, you know, I, when somebody does that to me, I just want to say things that chaplains aren't supposed to say. I want to do things that chaplains aren't supposed to do. And, and then, but if I'm honest, I'm probably finding myself, there's been times I've probably thrown a Bible verse at somebody who's really in pain, and they probably go, thanks, chaplain, that was worthless. Get out of my face. You know, get out of my, get out of my life. That's not what we're talking about. We have to have room to lament. This verse, if you, if you don't take anything else away today, I hope you go out of here and go, when I'm in pain, I can cry out to God and he can take my stuff. Well, let's look at what this psalmist said and let's see if we can, we can, we can identify a little bit. Starting in verse number three, he says in Psalm 102, My days pass away like smoke and my bones like a furnace. Maybe he's running a fever. Maybe he just feels all this pain. Look at verse 4. My heart is struck down like grass and has withered. Check this out. I forgot to eat my bread. Have you ever been so distraught that you forgot to eat? I could not tell you how many times, because I'm the outsider looking in at Walter Reed Hospital, right? And I see that person whose just whole life is consumed about this loved one. And more often than not, you know what I say after a couple days? Have you, are you eating anything? And I'll run across people who literally have maybe drank a few sips of water that a nurse forced them to drink for like two, three days. That's what we're talking about here. That's, that's the lamenting that we're talking about. That's, the, that's the, the, the affliction that this person is under. They, they forgot to eat. And some of y'all can identify with that, can't you? Look at verse number five. Because of my loud uh, groaning and my bones cling to my flesh, weight loss. Sound familiar? What happens sometimes? We forget to eat. Or maybe the opposite, we eat too much. Weight loss, weight gain. You, you see what I'm saying? This is, this is, this, God had something to say about this thousands of years ago, that this pain that we're going through. Look at verse six. I'm like, this is, this is very sad. I'm like a desert owl in the wilderness, like an owl of the waste places. He, he, he's trying to depict something in nature that depicts utter loneliness. An owl that's by itself in the dark in a desert. He's trying to depict the darkness and trying to depict some, somebody is totally alone. Many times when you and I are dealing with the most difficult things in life, what is the one thing that our brains and our hearts start to believe? I'm alone. 
what, what, do we, what, do we, what do we try to say all the time when we try to get after harmful behaviors and make sure everybody's living a flourishing life? You're not alone. It's not just a cliche, it's real. But this person, that's how he felt. He said, I feel utterly alone. And guess what? If you feel utterly alone, I'm telling you right now, you can go to God and you can be honest with Him. and You can say, God, right now, I feel utterly alone. Keep reading. Look at verse 7. He says, I lie awake. I'm like a lonely sparrow on a housetop. So he's not, so he's not eating. He's losing weight. He's lonely. And now he's not sleeping. Do we have a sleep problem in our culture today? I would think so. I would think so. I, I know so. That's what this psalmist says. So he brings it to the Lord. He's, he's lamenting about what's going on. Look at verse 8. Now he, he gets specifically what, what part of his problem is. Verse 8. All the day my enemies taunt me. Those who deride me uh, you use my name for a curse. In other words, this is his problem. He has these enemies that are out to get him. As you and I think about our own holy venting, Maybe you do feel like you have enemies that are out to get you, but maybe your enemy is a disease. Maybe your enemy is a broken relationship. Maybe your enemy is heartache. Bring it to the, bring it to the Lord. This is holy venting, more loneliness. Look at, look at verse 9. I eat ashes like bread. The, the idea of like sackcloth and ashes, just this, 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 this interesting picture of I'm eating ashes. Just, you know, not even, not even logical, right? Just, just sort of, uh, you know, abnormal. But then he says, my, look at verse, look at the second part of that verse, um, verse 9. And he mingles tears with his drink. Did any of you grow up where, especially you men, men don't cry, who, who got grew up maybe implicitly or explicitly were told that, don't cry, don't cry. Well, this psalmist, he cried. He said, my, I mingled tears with my drink. I, I can't even take a drink without the tears falling out of my face. Sometimes tears are a gift from God. And in this passage, when he's dealing with this affliction, he's saying that I just cried. I'm telling you right now, walk out of this door, hearing it from the Bible, hearing it from God, it's okay to cry. When we're dealing with affliction and we're dealing with difficult circumstances, it's okay. And then he takes it another step. I know I grew up never hearing this, I can promise you. But verse 10 says this, because of your indignation and anger, who's the your? Who's this guy talking to? He's talking to God. This is very accusatory, isn't it? Verse 10, because of your indignation and anger, because you have taken me up and you have thrown me down. You can't say that about God. We have to be happy, happy, joy. That's why you never have any praise songs based on Psalm 102. How, oh, God, you threw me down and you crushed my soul. Thank you. so. We don't do that. However, the psalmist does. Here's the thing. If that's how you feel, does God already know that you feel that way? Right? That's what the Bible teaches. He is, I'll give you a big word, he's omniscient. He's all-knowing. He knows your thoughts. He knows your heart. Better than we do. This psalmist has given us the pattern is, is if you're angry at God, tell him. You know why? He can take it. He's the God of the universe. Is my holy venting to him going to stop his plan? 
Is he going to go, oh no, Dan Browse was mad at me. What am I going to do now? Just like good leaders, whether you're the boss of a big corporation, whether you're a high-ranking officer in the military and people are mad at you, what do you do? You, you still got to run your business, right? Well, on, how much on a greater scale does God run his business, as in the whole universe? This passage is saying, giving us a gift, that if you feel that way to God, tell him. He can take it. He can take it. This holy venting. This is, by the way, not weakness. How many of you grew up believing or hearing people say things like, well, what a real Christian does is, and what a real successful person does is just take care of their own business, bring themselves up by their own bootstraps, and, and get it done. And that's the mentality. And anything less than that's weakness. This passage is saying, if you're, in, if you're in distress and if you're suffering affliction, he says, bring those things before the Lord. And then you'll get his strength. Holy venting. You, you might be here today and you might need to do some holy venting. God can take it. Cry out to him and let him know how you feel. He already knows. And that'll bring us to the path of in our darkness, it'll help us through those things. Point number three. <clears throat> We're finally going to get to a little, a, little, a little more joyful things. Point number three is this. Remember the Lord. You're going to see this in verses 12 through 28. I'm going to point out a couple of things to you. We're simply going to remember the Lord. Look at verse 12. Is where he, where he turns, the, turns the key a little bit. He, he's, done the, he's done the lamenting. And by the way, let me say one more thing. Don't feel like there's a timetable on this. That psalm that I had Aiden read, Psalm 77, 1 through 9, I had a friend one time, he said, how are you doing right now? And I said, right now I'm at, I'm at the first part of Psalm 77 and I'm not ready to go to the next part yet. You might be here today and you might say, hey chaplain, I'm, I'm, I'm with you on Psalm 102, 1 through, where am I at? 1 through 11, I'm lamenting and I'm crying, but I'm not ready to do that other stuff yet. Keep crying to the Lord. Keep being in sync with his spirit. He'll, he'll, he'll continue to work with you. But let's look at this. Remember the Lord. Don't forget these things. Verse 12. You, O Lord, are enthroned forever. You are remembered through all generations. Remember, God is still Lord. Remember who he is. He's not changing. Our circumstances change, but he's not changed. Look at verse 13. You'll arise and have pity on Zion. It is the time to favor her. The appointed time has come. And you see that God has compassion. God still loves, God's still with us in our pain. Look at verses 15 and 16. I won't read it, but he talks about the nations are still going to be, be, behold the glory of God. In your affliction, God is still in control. Remember who God is. Remember his goodness. Remember him. Look at verse 17. He regards the prayer of the destitute. He does not despise their prayer. The psalmist is reminding you, you cry out to God, guess what God does? He hears. He listens. Now look at verse 18 under this idea of remember the Lord. Look at what it says in 18. Let this be recorded for a generation to come so that a people yet to be created, in other words, like in the future, let them uh, praise the Lord. The testimony is in, is in God's faithfulness. Now here's the thing I will promise you. We don't always know the reason for our afflictions. I don't have a crystal ball. I don't have the answer to the why you are going through XYZ or why I'm going through XYZ. I don't, I don't know all those things. I'm not God. I don't have a crystal ball. 
I don't have that gift. And maybe we won't know on this side of eternity. I don't know. But our faith in God and God's faithfulness serves as a testimony that God can be trusted. Remember the Lord. He, he always will be what he always is. We, we have the opportunity to say, Lord, I know this affliction has some purpose in my life. I don't have a clue what it is, and that's okay. I'm just going to trust you. Many times when I read through the laments of the Bible, I, I picture it this way. I picture this, I picture this person just crying out. Maybe they're in a room by themselves, and they're saying, oh, God, why this, why this, what's going on? And then when they get all that out of their system, I kind of feel like I see somebody go, all right, all right, God, that's it. That's everything I'm thinking and feeling. And the best I know how at this point, I'm going to trust you. Remember the Lord in the middle of your afflictions. And let me give you one final thought that really ties it all together. Know this. Know that Jesus Christ himself is with you in your afflictions. Know that Jesus Christ himself is with you in your afflictions. Now, look at verse number 23 in this passage. Look at what it says. He, that is God, has broken my strength in mid-course, and he has shortened my days. It sounds almost prophetic to me. When I hear that, I cannot help but think about, we won't turn there, but Psalm chapter 22 is a passage that you're probably familiar with because in Psalm chapter 22, the psalmist says, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Have you heard that phrase somewhere else? That is one of the phrases that our Lord Jesus Christ said when he was on the cross. I believe that in the end of the Psalms, we're getting a glimpse of the fact that God is with us through our sufferings, and ultimately he shared in our sufferings through the Lord Jesus Christ. Now watch this. The end of the book of, of, of Psalms, verses 25 through 27, is quoted in Hebrews chapter 1, verses 10 through 11. If you'll take a moment with me and let's look at this, this will all come together and I believe give us something that will really help us uh, understand this. When you look at verses 25 to 27 in Psalm 102, listen to it. It says, Of old you laid the foundation of the earth and the heavens are the work of your hands. So the heavens are the work of God's hands, right? Uh, they will perish, but you will remain. They will all wear out like a garment. He's reminding them that all this stuff's going to pass away, but God's going to be forever. We know that. You will change them like a robe. Verse 27, you are the same and your years have no end. Now, we won't turn there, but when you go to Hebrews chapter 1, it makes the point that, that of the Son, it says, of Jesus, it says that His throne is forever and ever the scepter of righteousness and the scepter of the kingdom. The writer of Hebrews is making the point that Jesus is fully God and of this Son, He is the one whose, whose kingdom and power and glory will be forever and ever. And it is in that context that the writer of Hebrews quotes what we just read in verses 25 through 27. The important part of that for us today is that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He is the King of kings. He is the Lord of lords. 
But remember what Christ did for you and Christ did for me. He suffered. He died on the cross. He bore our sins. John Stott said it this way. Listen to this. I could never myself believe in God if it were not for the cross. In the real world of pain, how could one worship a God who is immune to it? In other words, he's not up there just doing whatever. He identifies with your pain and with mine. He said this, I turn to that lonely, twisted, tortured figure on the cross. Nails through his hands and his feet. Back lacerated, limbs wrenched, brow beating from thorn pricks, mouth dry, intolerably thirsty, plunged in God-forsaken darkness. That is the God for me. He says he set aside his humanity to pain. He entered our world of flesh and blood and tears and death. Theology in this case, theology bleeds. In other words, the doctrine, the teaching, the fact of the historical death, burial, and resurrection of Christ, God identifies with our pain in a way that no one else can. And that is why we can take our anxieties and our cares to Him. That is why that simple verse, cast all your cares on Him, because He what? Because He cares for you? That's why that makes all the difference. And I hope and pray today that as we think about our own afflictions, and maybe we're in the Unsalm 23, maybe we'll allow God to work in our lives, and, and we'll do some of this holy venting, and we'll cry out to Him, and maybe we'll make our way back to that great passage that said it this way, and we'll close. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for His name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for Thou art with me. Thou rod and Thy staff, they comfort me. Thou prepare for me in the presence of mine enemies a table. Thou anoint my head with oil, my cup runs over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. You might be here today. That Psalm 23 is true regardless, but you might not feel like it's true. Today God's saying that's okay. Let's walk through this thing together. Let's walk through this thing as a family, maybe as a husband and wife. Let's, let's reach out to someone that I know is a Christian brother or sister. And let's go through this process because we have a way that when we're dealing with affliction, we can pour out our laments before the Lord. I invite you to pray with me. Heavenly Father, oh God, we thank you for this great truth that you are our shepherd. And God, we also thank you that we don't have to live in a world of, of, of masking things, of hiding things. God, we don't have to put our little walls up and say, everything's okay. God, you've given us a way to cry out before you and bear our very souls as we're in the abyss, as we're in the valley of the shadow of death, and we can honestly say, God, it's not okay right now. God, things are not right. What is going on? God, I pray for those who have gone through those things in the past. I pray that your word would help us to, to, to work through those things for your glory. God, for those who are, are in the middle of it right now, God, may, may, may we cry out to you. God, for those who one day will go through that valley, 
who one day will say, oh God, it's like you've cast me down. May they have the courage to remember that they can cry out to you. God, for those in our lives that, that we love and, and we're praying for, God, give us uh, this faithfulness to keep praying. God, help us to continue to be like, like this psalmist and say, okay, God, I've said my piece, but I do remember you. And God, we thank you that you're not a God who's just up there looking down at our pain, God, but you experienced pain when you took our sins on the cross. And God, may we remember our crucified Savior and know, God, we have a hope. And God, also, help us never to forget, he's not dead. He is risen. And God, we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.